and the oscar goes to tom hanks in philadelphia and the oscar goes to lupita nyong'o and the oscar goes to halle berry in monsters ball and the oscar goes to hilary swank in boys don't cry and the winner is marvelous meryl streep and the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to Olivia Colman. Welcome back to this week's episode of Academy Queens. I can also feel the tremble in my twat, Joey Gentile. And I've poked my pecker in some sorry trash bins. I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And this is your week's episode of Academy Queens, your LGBT guide through the Academy Awards per decade per category. And this is the class of 1998. First of all, I love that two weeks in a row you have something to do with your dick in your opening, and it's fantastic. Of course. Of course, of course. Um, and, but also, side note to bring up last week, this is much better than last week. The lineups, you mean? Yes. Yeah, I'd say so as a whole. I think 98 is stronger. Yes, but 98 is also a very um, controversial year for a couple of reasons. Um, number one is the Elia Kazan Honorary Awards. Um, oh, right. That was a big holy shit moment for a lot of people. And it's really interesting if you go back and watch um, the Elia Kazan Award You've got three types of people in the audience. You have those who stood up and clapped, which were like, okay, whatever, whatever happened, happened. You had those who clapped, but sitting down, which were like, I'm not happy about it, um, but I have to be respectful. And then you had those like Amy Madigan and Ed Harris who sat in the audience, not clapping, hands crossed and were like, fuck you. So it was a very, very hostile award ceremony. Not only that, but 98 was very controversial in the Benini win in lead actor and of course infamous for him climbing over the seats when life is beautiful won best uh, foreign film. And then of course you had the best actress winner, which caused a lot of issue, but also the Shakespeare in love win at, for best picture over saving private Ryan. And this was kind of the year of the Weinstein um, Titan, what became for many years following Mm -hmm. So, 98 is real interesting of a year. Right. So, um, do you have any feelings toward the year as a whole? Um, nothing that I don't think I'll mention in the actual um, actress portions. I know you had mentioned about Shakespeare and Love getting a lot of shit, and I think this is one of those examples of a movie getting shit, not because it's a bad movie, but because of what it won over. I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who would, you know, say Saving Private Ryan was the rightful winner of Best Picture, and that's a perfectly valid opinion. But mm -hmm. um, as we'll get into later, I don't think Shakespeare in Love is a bad film by any means, and I also don't think it's a bad Best Picture, but mm -hmm. there's definitely uh, pros and cons for it. I definitely acknowledge that. Yeah. Would you say that Shakespeare in Love, for you, out of Elizabeth, Life is Beautiful, Saving Private Ryan, and Thin Red Line, would be your winner for Best Picture this year? Um, I think Shakespeare in Love is a more uh, approachable and rewatchable film than Saving Private Ryan. Um, a lot of that having to do with the um, material and how mm -hmm. heavy Saving Private Ryan is. However, um, Ryan is a 
is an exceptionally well-crafted film and um, in a completely different way than Shakespeare in Love. So they're two very different films. I would say uh, Saving Private Ryan is probably the better made film, but Shakespeare in Love is the one that um, is a little bit more approachable and enjoyable. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a very interesting um, debate. I wouldn't have given it to either of them, to be honest with you. I don't think by any means they're bad movies. I just, I really love The Thin Red Line. Um, right, you're a, you're a Malick person. I am a very much a Terrence Malick person. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I would have given him director and the movie picture, but that's just me. Um, shall we get to a little fun fact about this year? Okay. Um, an unmentionable fact from the Academy Awards book that I have by Jim Piazza and Gail Kinner is that this gets complicated. Best Supporting Actress nominee Lynn Redgrave split with her husband slash, ma- slash manager just weeks before the awards. She learned that he had had a love child with his former assistant who went on to marry his son. Wait, oh, I get that. Okay, got it. Completely in the dark, Redgrave helped raise the boy as her adopted grandson. Huh. Very, very what-the-fuck moment. <laughs> interesting. Interesting, interesting. Well, shall we dive? All right. Your Best Supporting Actress nominees in 1998 were... Kathy Bates in Primary Color. Brenda Blessing in Little Voice. Judy Dench in Shakespeare in Love. Rachel Griffiths in Hillary and Jackie. Lynn Redgrave in Gods and Monsters. All right, let's start off with our winner for the year, Judy Dench, winning for Shakespeare in Love. This is her second of seven nominations, previously up for Mrs. Brown the year before. Going into this, she wins with BAFTA, the Kansas City Film Critics, and the National Society of Film Critics, and she's also part of the SAG Ensemble win. And going into this as um, a nominee, she has the Golden Globe, the New York Film Critics Circle, and a SAG nomination for Supporting Actress, but she did not win that one. In Shakespeare in Love, Judi Dench plays Queen Elizabeth, who really likes the theater. So thoughts on Judi Dench and Shakespeare in Love. You know, this this is one of those performances next to, oh God, uh, Beatrice Strait in Network. That is one of the two shortest performances of all time to win. I honestly think that Dench might be the winner of that as a whole, though. I think she was just a few seconds shorter than Strait. Could be wrong there. Um, so this, th- this win kind of was a out-of-the-blue win. Um, people give it some shit about who else is in this lineup because Lynn Redgrave and Kathy Bates seem to be kind of like the contemporary favorites of film buffs. Um, I think it's, I think it's a nice performance, but I am not certain that it is Judy's best. And I, and I find it interesting that this is her only Oscar win too. And I don't know if it's the steamroll of what would become Shakespeare in love that year. Um, but I, I can't tell if this win is because of the campaign of Shakespeare in love or from Dutch's performance. And that worries me. Yeah. I could see how her win could be due to the campaign of it all. 
um, because I don't think this is Dench's best performance either. Um, she kind of has um, a little bit of a Gloria Stewart-like presence in this, where mm-hmm. um, she's in it for very little, but the the time she's there, she certainly has a presence. And um, that's mostly, I think, what's selling her role for her, because I don't think she's really stretching herself, per se, as an actor, but she's certainly not bad whatsoever, and she definitely has that gravitas that's needed to really um, become Queen Elizabeth and become this um, all-powerful figure that the story needs. But um, I don't think this is really in the top Judy Dench performances of all time by any means. No, not at all. Not at all. I would agree with that sentiment. I do like the movie, and I don't have anything negative to say about her. It's just, um, I'm perfectly okay with the nomination, but the win is a little bit um, baffling to me if we're just looking at straight performance. Um, I could see how love of the movie and just um, success of the campaign was working in her favor. And also, you know, she's got the afterglow going on, having just come off of Mrs. Brown the year before. So a lot of things were working in her favor and they paid off, but um, I don't think her her acting necessarily was the um, primary factor going into her win. Yeah, for some reason, I see this, like, if they were to put Shakespeare in Love on the stage, I definitely see this being um, a role that would get another actress, like a Tony nomination. Um, Like, it just seems like a role that will get you nominated, but not winning. So Shakespeare in Love was turned into a musical. What? Yeah, I saw it when the Cleveland Playhouse did it. Really? How was it on stage? Um, it was pretty good. It was entertaining. It was one of my and Seth's uh, first, I, I guess you could say first dates. It was like a few months into our relationship. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm actually now wondering if I misspoke. I can't remember if it was a musical, but it certainly had some musical dance moments, but I don't know if it's like a musical musical, if it was just a, a play that incorporated song and dance but um, so I could be wrong about the way I labeled it but it definitely has been adapted for the stage and it was enjoyable we had a good time I mean then again I do just love this story and I like Shakespeare so I was all in for it but um, yeah it has been done I don't know if the actress playing the queen won a Tony for it I can't speak to that but um, it did happen Interesting. I didn't know that. And I've been on the record before. Like, I don't like Shakespeare stuff at all, but I, I actually enjoy this movie. I think it's fun. Yeah. I think Je- uh, Jeffrey Rush is my favorite thing about this movie, though. Oh, yeah. He gives a very lively performance. Yes. Yes. Next, we had Kathy Bates nominated for Primary Colors. This is her second of three nominations, uh, having won for Misery in 1990. Going into this, she wins with SAG and the Critics' Choice Awards and with the Chicago Film Critics. And she is recognized with the Golden Globes, BAFTA, and the Los Angeles Film Critics. In Primary Colors, she plays Libby Holden, a gruff political campaign warrior. So thoughts on Kathy Bates in Primary Colors. What a fun role and performance that Kathy Bates gives here. She is a force to be reckoned with. She is giving me big dyke realness. She is giving me everything I need from this character. And it is just wonderful to watch. 
It's wonderful to revisit. And it is just all around great. Um, I think this, she had so much fun. You could tell she had so much fun with this character. And especially you have to realize for those who maybe not don't understand about this movie, this came about in the Clinton Lewinsky scandal era. So it is like, it's never been quote unquote confirmed, but the Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton roles played by um, John Travolta and Emma Thompson are just fantastic. And it's just, if you like political comedies, like this is the movie for you. Um, but Bates here is selling me everything I need. And it's just all around great. I really like this. Yeah, I mean, talk about chewing up every single scene that you're in. Um, Kathy Bates lives this character to the fullest. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how much bigger she could get here. And I think she's truly wonderful in this. And I, what a perfect example of casting. Uh, Kathy Bates just seems born to play this character. And yeah, you're right. This definitely did come out like in the midst of the Clinton impeachment, which I think was in like late 1998. So the timing was really interesting. I'm pretty sure it has. It's been more or less confirmed what this movie's about. I'm pretty sure someone on the campaign wrote this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, the the subject matter and the timing of its release is certainly interesting. Um, and Kathy Bates is wonderful. Uh, one of the most quotable characters in it. Uh, it seems very much so like this character was designed for a powerhouse supporting performance and not necessarily in a bad way because i think kathy bates does what she can to really make this character not only explosive but down to earth this mm -hmm. character feels like she belongs in this world like i would love to see kathy bates well it's over now but if she had taken this character and brought it to Veep. Like, how perfect would that oh, have been? Oh, yes. If she had yes. just, like, brought this inspired by a real-life, supposedly, person into this fictionalized world that also somehow completely fits. Because, I mean, Libby abides by a moral code, despite how deeply entrenched she is in this world. And the characters of that show don't always abide by very much of anything. But in terms of... The way she speaks and the way she carries herself, I could totally see her fitting in with that cast. And Kathy Bates is simply just a delight in this movie. We only get her in these little bursts. There's huge chunks of this movie where she's missing, and it takes a little while for her to first be introduced. But it's one of those characters like Mercedes Rule that you're missing when she's gone, and you almost want the entire movie to actually just be about her. Mm -hmm. And I think she's great. This is a really wonderful performance from Kathy Bates. Yeah, I agree. If they could have... Some... Okay, so first of all... She dies in this movie, which took me by surprise the first time I saw it. I was not expecting the suicide to happen. Um, did that shock you when that happened? Actually, yeah. I had seen this movie once before, and it was a long time ago. Like, I have very vague memories of watching this movie like with my dad in middle school for some reason. I think it was like on TV or something. And so I didn't really remember much. I just remember that it was basically Bill Clinton, and that was about it. But um, when it got to the reveal that she had killed herself, it did throw me off. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to judge like where her mind was or anything like that. But I don't know that I entire I entirely bought the suicide. It seemed a little forced to me, mm -hmm. the way that it's handled. Um, how did you feel about that? Well, that's the thing too, because especially with the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing that just happened, 
there's always been rumors about the power of the Clintons and whatnot. So if this movie is based off of the Clintons, I don't buy and you and and let's say you buy into the rumors of them getting rid of their enemies. At the time we leave Libby, she's become an enemy to these people. And therefore I don't buy that it's a suicide. Hmm. Does that make sense? I understand where you're coming from. It you know seems I mean? very it seems yeah, it seems very conspiracy theory like, but I can see right. how I can see how that idea fits into the perception that a lot of people do legitimately have about right. these figures, whether they're true or not, who right. knows. But there is a lot of people that do feel that way. So I could see how that interpretation has um validity to it. Um yeah. because the suicide did kind of seem it didn't seem like it was payoff in any way, or it didn't seem like it was um, not payoff. That's the wrong word for the subject, but um, it didn't <laughs> seem like it was built up to in any way. It didn't seem like it. I don't know. It just it just felt kind of random to me because it really threw me off in a way that wasn't necessarily like a, a twist. It was just like a oh, that's a choice again. Not the choice of the person, the choice of the writers to go in that direction. Yeah. It's uh, it's real interesting. I kind of wish that had they not killed her off, there would have been like a Libby spinoff somehow. I mean, I know we say that for like many of things, but I think Bates here is the most enjoyful thing about this movie. Yeah. Is that because, a word, I mean, joyful? I went with it. All right, cool. Because I mean, her, her sort of big supporting counterpart in Billy Bob Thornton annoyed the shit out of me. Like, I mean, talk about another performance that seems to be engineered for a big, larger-than-life supporting performance to get an Oscar nomination, but then didn't because he was nominated for a different movie instead. But, I mean, that role seems engineered in the way that did rub me the wrong way because it's... Because like we were saying, kind of with Lara Flynn Boyle in Afterglow, Billy Bob Thornton, to me, plays every scene in that movie like it's going to be his Oscar clip. Yeah. And like I put I just connected those two dots there and that is what annoys me about Billy Bob Thornton's version of his larger than life supporting part that I don't get from Kathy Bates. She feels very grounded to me in a way that he doesn't. Did I ever do my sling blade impression for you? I feel like you've done it on another episode but I'm not positive. I don't know if I did. Is it the Mountain Dew? No. no that was something else. That was uh Hepburn. That was Hepburn. Mm, my mama calls it a sling blade. My daddy called it a Kaiser blade. I just call it a killer blade. I'm just like, God, every time I think of Billy Bob Thornton, that's all I can hear him as because I can't stand watching sling blade because of how he, that character talks. Like I have never fully watched sling blade all the way through because I can't deal with it. Like I can listen to him for maybe two minutes and I'm like, Nope, turning it off. But every time I see Billy Bob Thornton, that's all I hear is the Sling Blade accent, and it's awful. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not crazy about Billy Bob Thornton just in general. I'm much more of a Kathy Bates person. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, next we have another larger than life supporting performance from Brenda Blethyn, nominated for Little Voice. This is her second of two nominations, having previously been up for Secrets and Lies in 1996. She does not win anything major going into this, but she is nominated for a few big precursors, including the Golden Globe, the BAFTA, and the SAG. And in Little Voice, she plays Mary Hoff, the loud and bombastic mother of LV. And she's a 
pretty mean toward her daughter until she realizes that her daughter has a whole lot of talent in her singing voice and then tries to exploit it. So thoughts on Brenda Bleppin in Little Voice? First of all, can we talk about Little Voice for a second as a whole? How much of a juggernaut this movie was at the Golden Globes, winning for Michael Caine, um, the the actress who played LV nominated, I think it won Best Comedy, no, it didn't win, nominated for all these things. And then Bleffin is like the sole nomination at the Oscars. Very intriguing to me. Um, I really like this role. I think I think this this role gets shit on a lot because people find it so obnoxious. But I think it's like fucking brilliant, to be honest with you. I think Bleffin is so much fun in this. Like Bates is so much fun in Primary Colors. And I enjoy it a lot. I think it's funny. I think it's over the top. I think it's cruel. And all around, I am very upset that after two nominations, Bluffin just doesn't get roles anymore that is worthy of her talent. Because between this and Secrets and Lies two years earlier, she's a fucking force. And I love it. What about you? I think she's hilarious in this. She is so crass in the best way. Little Voice as a whole, I thought, was just an all right film. Uh, but I thought Blethen as Marie Hoff was great. Her lines are so funny, pushing people out of the way to make way for a woman in lust and things like that. And what's wrong with you? Never had a shag and a Chevy. She's just, she's the kind of person that I just want to be around. Maybe not hang, maybe not like be friends with, but I just want to be in her presence, like at the bar and just, just bask in her presence. I think she's really funny here. And what a complete 180 from Secrets and Lies, where she has yes. this, like, she, like she's like a, a ticking time bomb of emotion in Secrets and Lies. And then here in Little Voice, she is, like, comedy gold. Um, I think she's delightful. I can see why a lot of people scoff at this nomination, because they maybe see it as something frivolous and silly. And I guess it has those qualities to it. But I think she's also um, really turning it out here. Brenda Blethen. And I don't scoff at this nomination whatsoever. She was the light of this movie for me. I thought she was hilarious. And um, I was living for every scene that she was in. So I tip my hat to Brenda Blethen. Yeah. And I think you brought up a good point with comedy and drama. There are comedy actors who can't do drama. And there are drama actors who can't do comedy. And Blethen proves that she can do both. In a span of about three years. Or... Yep. Yeah. Good for her. I like it. Go Brenda Blethen. Two claps for Brenda. So next we have Rachel Griffiths, nominated for Hillary and Jackie. This is her first and so far only nomination. She does not win anything major going into this, but she is recognized with SAG and the Chicago Film Critics and the British Independent Film Awards, which put her in the same category as her co-star Emily Watson. Just a little note there. In Hillary and Jackie, Rachel Griffiths plays Hillary, the flautist sister of Jackie, and it's through her point of view that we really see the events of Jackie's life play out as uh, Hillary tries to live an ordinary life in the countryside with her family. So thoughts on Rachel Griffith and Hillary and Jackie. God, I love Rachel Griffiths in this movie. I literally texted you the other day. I was so excited to finally... T- this is the one movie I didn't really intrigued to hear your opinion on because all decade um and i texted you this and i'm so glad we're talking about this now 
I really enjoy this movie. There is something about this movie that really just brings me into everything. All the emotions. And Griffiths is solely responsible for it. What is she what she is doing here is magic. It is the beauty. It is the sadness. It is the funny. It is everything. I mean, just the thought of these two close sisters and you're the one with the head on your shoulders that has to keep it together is just divine. And you know exactly what I'm going to say that is going to kill me. Wrong motherfucking category and I am so sad. Yeah, there's definitely an argument to be made that she is a co-lead with Emily Watson. Um, in Hillary and Jackie, Rachel Griffith has the more, um, I guess you could say, down-to-earth, relatable perform- relatable character. Um, she's not quite so loud and in-your-face as Emily Watson's. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, because Rachel Griffith has a very intelligent way of crafting this character. She has a very penetrating insight i think into herself and into the other characters in this movie and it's a very low-key performance that's very complex that i think balances out really well what emily watson is giving us and of course we'll get to her later but these two these two actors i think really jibe with each other really well and make this movie work and it's kind of a shame that Rachel Griffith hasn't had very much else uh, majors um, awards-wise since. I mean, I loved her on Six Feet Under. Uh, Brenda is one of my favorite characters on that show. And Rachel Griffith was great throughout the entire run of that series. And it's too bad that we don't get very much from her since. I mean, I don't know if she's um, just off doing her own thing or if she's just one of those actors that the industry just didn't have the opportunities for or care to give opportunities to. I don't know. But um, she is a really smart actor and it really comes through in her performances. And yeah, there's certainly a case to be made that she's in the wrong category here. Yeah, and it's so sad. And to your point of you go off of um, uh, the story, like whose story is it? I, it is to be noted that Hillary and Jackie is based off of a book by Hillary Dupree. Right. Like this story is told from her point of view. Right. So um, the story you could say is maybe more so about Jackie, but it's being molded through Hillary. So right. it's a very tricky balance narratively that this movie's pulling off here. She's the titular role. Not only is she the titular role, she's the first build titular role. Right. Oh, it's so upsetting because I, she's so good. God damn it, she's so good. Oh, makes me so sad. Now, here's a question for you. You're really, really close with your brother. Do you share your man with your brother? Like these two were able to share Hillary's man. Well, I mean, none of my brothers would be interested in a man, but... No, but you know what I mean? Like, if you were in that scenario? I, I understand. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's out of place for this movie. I'm saying it's a, it's a really interesting idea that um, 
I don't know how it would play out in real life. Uh, these are two very um, strange characters. But yeah, it, it, that provides a very interesting dynamic between them. I don't know. I, I kind of feel the same way. I don't, I mean, I'm not a monogamous person, but I don't know if I could share my man with my brother. If I had a brother and who was also into dudes, I don't know if I could do it. I think there's a line that gets crossed at that point. And right. I don't have many lines. <laughs> so, well, good job, Rachel Griffiths. Good job. Go, Rachel. Yes. So our final supporting actress for the year is Lynn Redgrave, nominated for Gods and Monsters. This is her second of two nominations, having not been nominated since 1966 for Georgie Girl. And going into this, she wins the Golden Globe and the Spirit Award, and she's recognized with BAFTA and SAG. So you could say she was one of the frontrunners going into this. In Gods and Monsters, Lynn Redgrave plays Hannah, the stern housekeeper and de facto companion to Ian McKellen's James Whale. So thoughts on Lynn Redgrave in Gods and Monsters? I don't get it. I don't get the love for this one. Um, Unlike her, which I don't know if you've seen Georgie Girl, yeah, um, I have. Brilliant. Definitely deserved her nomination there. And I'm and I don't want to say anything else outside of that because we haven't covered that year yet. But um brilliant performance in Georgia Girl. This is very one note for me. This is very angry butler lady. This is very okay. You know, it's I don't think it's anything to write home about. So I don't understand the fan favorite of Lynn Redgrave for this win, and I don't understand the Golden Globe or Spirit Award win. Um, it's all right, but I don't think it's anything to write home about. So what do you think about it? Um, so something she has working for her here is this is definitely one of those big transformative performances where Lynn Redgrave vanishes and she becomes this entirely different person um, in Hannah. Now, I don't know how many chances the movie is really giving her for nuance and backstory. I know this is based on a novel, and James Wales is, of course, a real person who inspired these fictionalizations of his life. So I don't, I'm sure there's more to Hannah's story than we're getting in the film. But um, Lynn Redgrave does succeed in becoming an entirely new person. And um, that's definitely worth noting. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm not sure what opportunities the movie is really giving her to really flesh out this character and give us a really deep examination of who Hannah is. She has a little moment, I think it's with the Brendan Fraser character, where she's talking about how she and uh, James Whale have sort of become companions over time and she like she she chooses him over her family in ways and those are really interesting character details that I want fleshed out more I want a better understanding of who this person is and how she came to form this bond with this person and this very deep almost troubling loyalty to this guy and on a final note, I think Frances Conroy's character in American Horror Story owes a lot to Hannah. So, oh, in the first season, yep, yep, yep. I, I kept getting together. flashbacks to that when I was revisiting this movie. I was like, oh, this is a uh, this is Frances Conroy in Murder House. Yep, I see it now. 
Good catch. So I don't know. I could see this movie being a big influence on Ryan Murphy. It seems very um, uh, up his alley. Well, it's a very gay movie in a way. Yeah, it's gay and dark and uh, deals with Hollywood. So seems yeah. like his thing. Dig it. I dig yeah. it. I, ad- I like yeah, that. Yeah, I admire what Redgrave's doing, but um, I want more, mostly. That's mostly, nar- mostly narratively. It's one of those things where I think she's doing some exceptional work at becoming this entirely other person. But now that she is this other person, I want to actually know who Hannah is. So it's more of a, a, a movie note than a performance note. Yeah, I get it. So that was our final supporting actress. Yes, and moving along to what is a brilliant category, I think, as a whole, just like these supporting ladies. Your nominees uh, for lead actress in 1998 were... Kate Blanchett and Elizabeth. Fernanda Montenegro in Central Station. Gwyneth Paltrow in Shakespeare in Love. Meryl Streep in One True Thing. Emily Watson in Hillary and Jackie. All right. Starting off this year, we had Fernanda Montenegro as Isadora in Central Station. This is her sole nomination so far, and I'm destined to believe it's going to be her only one because she is hella up there in age and hasn't done anything really since, in America at least. Um, not that this is an American film, but going into it, we had a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress in Drama, an L.A. Film Critics Association win, but she tied with Ali Sheedy for Best Actress, who isn't even nominated here. She won the National Board of Review for Best Actress and nominated for the National Science Film Critics and the New York Film Critics Association Awards. In Central Station, again, Fernanda plays Isadora, who is a woman who kind of befriends and becomes the guardian of this little boy who they travel across Argentina to find, um, and, I, and I can't believe I'm blinking on this. Is it his mother or father? It's one of his parents. Um, and she has a whole new, in a way, respect for a different lifestyle that's not hers near the end of it because of this boy. Um, what do you think about Fernanda in Central Station? I think she's wonderful in Central Station. I also think this is just a great little film. Um, so simple, yet so deceptively complex. Um, and I think she gives a really beautiful performance here. I love her little shtick, her little write, letter writing uh, scheme that she has going on. Um, I think that's just a really fun little ploy for this character that she, because when we first meet her, you know she's uh, got a few tricks up her sleeve. She's doing what she can to which what, what she can to get by, and she's using her knowledge and her literacy, which is unfortunately something that a lot of other people around her don't have. And it um, informs us that she is an intelligent figure who is a, is a force to be reckoned with in her own right. She has a, a knowledge base to weave herself in and out of situations and whatnot. And I think she gives a very delicate intellectual performance here as Dora. How do you feel about it? 
I love this. I think it is beautiful. I think you're right. Delicate is a great adjective for this for this role, um, and what she's doing. Um, I think this is one of these foreign language performances that there's a reason why there's a nomination here, and I think what she is bringing to the table is. Nothing like any of the other nominees here. I mean, granted, no role is ever the same when they're nominated together. But there's this realistic presence that she is do that she is giving us that I don't get from the other nominees. Um, and I think it is divine. And I love Fernanda Montenegro as a person because she is a shady lady. Oh, God. She actually just made the news, the quote-unquote news recently, too, because she did an interview about her nomination. And she is not a fan of the Paltrow win. She is not a fan of Paltrow. You know, even when she when she lost here, if you go back and watch the video, she raises an eyebrow like, really, bitch? Really? And then her interview that just came out, I don't know if you saw it, uh, but it made the Twitter film Twitter uh, verse rounds where she's talking about her nomination and she's like, yeah, I was nominated, nominated against Blanchett and Streep and I don't know, whatever her face was that one. And it is like shade central, like 21 years later and she's still not happy about that loss. I get it though. Um, I do think that she shot herself in the foot because she turned down any performance that was off or any role that was offered to her post-nomination that wasn't an Argentinian film. And I don't understand that type of um, that type of career choice. It's like Norma Alejandro, um, ten or eleven years earlier, kind of turned down anything that wasn't in her foreign country, which I guess is pride for your country, which I'm not dissing, but it doesn't help your help your audience in other countries. You know what I mean? Right. Like I I respect the passion yes. and her diligence to her country and her roots but um yeah you would think that uh career-wise opportunity-wise you'd want to branch out but um you know that's um where she wants the uh the money to be that's cool um yeah go fernanda yeah but i i love i love the shady lady she's got going on even all these years later i think it's fucking delicious yeah and um central station is so this was my first time actually watching it for this episode and mm-hmm. it's a movie that i can see myself going back to particularly mm-hmm. for her performance um because i mean it is on the whole it is a very simple story about mm-hmm. a lady trying to help this it becomes a road movie and she's like trying to help this boy find oh it is the father because the mom gets hit by a bus yes do you remember yep. that okay so yeah which which is a very uh striking scene because i didn't i didn't really know what the movie was actually about when i started it i kind of i intentionally tried to go into it blind and uh that took me by surprise and when she takes the boy under her wing and decides to help him find his father and kind of tries to dump him a few times like there's i think aren't there a couple moments where she tries to just like leave him at a diner or like a bus station somewhere along the way and turn back because to be honest she even though she's a former school teacher she's not the nicest person no and um she's like me with children sure but she has a way of making you still not like her but care about her which is a very Mm -hmm. tricky thing when you're playing a character 
who has all these attributes that are so easily unlikable. Because, I mean, even early on, we get the impression that even though these um, destitute, illiterate people are paying her to write letters to their loved ones, we're given the impression that she's not actually sending out these letters. She's writing them down and taking the money and then never spending that money on the postage. And yet we still find this character interesting and want to follow along with her and see where her story leads. And then she ends up taking this boy on a road trip. And despite all her attempts, she can't get rid of him. It's a really interesting layered performance that we get from her. And I can definitely see myself revisiting this movie, if only for her. Agreed. Agreed. All right. We had the first, this is our first outing with Kate Blanchett. Um, Kate Blanchett as Elizabeth in Elizabeth. This is her first of seven nominations. Going into Oscar night, she has a couple wins here from BAFTA and the Critics' Choice for Best Actress and the Golden Globe. Um, she won Best Actress in a Drama, but she was nominated at SAG for Best Actress. And again, Kate Blanchett in Elizabeth plays Elizabeth, who tells the story of Queen Elizabeth and her ascension to the throne. Um, so what do you think about her in Elizabeth? I think this is a magnificent first nomination for Kate Blanchett. I mean, way to come out of the gate with playing the Queen of England. And, right. And um, I think she gives a really wonderful performance as Elizabeth. Um, we witness such a big transformation because, I mean, when this movie starts, she's not even queen yet. And Bloody Mary's reign of terror is coming to a head. And Elizabeth is almost killed because of it. And um, she survives and becomes queen. And we see her awkwardly transition into becoming queen. And then becoming more comfortable in her position. And then really wielding her power. And almost, uh, it almost leads to her downfall in a way. And so this movie is very expertly engineered to show us all the different sides of this real-life figure. And Kate Blanchett, I think, takes every opportunity and makes the most of it. So I think this is a really great first nomination from Kate Blanchett. Yeah, same. I think it's beautiful. Um... I really, really like whether it's an American actor, an English actor, whoever it is, the fact that you cannot at all tell that Kate Blanchett is Australian because her English is her English accent is so perfect is really good. Um, and I know that may sound contradictory to things that I've said in the past with like Meryl Streep with a cry in the dark, where it's like I don't know if we're nominating her for her accent work or acting here. Kate Blanchett, we know where we're why we're giving her the nomination. It's the full package. Um, I think it's brilliant work. It's like really well crafted because I think I think when you're hitting a queen role, you can be really good or really bad, and she definitely falls for the former here. Um, I've got no complaints. I think this is brilliant. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I have a funny connection to the movie Elizabeth because um, my sort of side hustle, if you will, in high school was censoring movies for teachers. Mm -hmm. So teachers who would want to show um, movies like Elizabeth but couldn't due to nudity or violence, I would just like 
use iMovie and censor them. And it was a little right. thing that I did. Because um, I was, like, the sole, like, AV person in my high school. Like, my, sc- my school didn't have such a thing. So I found a teacher who was willing to do or willing to like sponsor an independent study. And the school was able to provide me with a little shitty camcorder and a computer that had iMovie. And I did little projects on my own under the the watch of this teacher to sort of validate my study and whatnot. And one of the little things while while she was searching out for projects for me to do, she -hmm. found that other teachers wanted to show certain movies, but then couldn't because the the school board wouldn't allow it because they were rated R. And uh, they came up with a compromise that if I would take the movie and make it PG-13, it would be acceptable. And Elizabeth is one of those movies that I quote-unquote censored so that teachers could show them in class. So that's just a fun little little fact about me in this movie. Nice, nice. Uh, Emily Watson as Jacqueline Dupree in Hillary and Jackie. This is her second of two nominations in less, well, in two years. Um, going into this, she didn't win anything, but she was nominated for the Golden Globe at Best Actress or for Best Actress in a Drama, the BAFTA nomination for Best Actress, and a SAG nomination for Best Actress as well. Um, in Hillary and Jackie, again, Emily plays Jacqueline, also known as Jackie. She is the second titular role in here. Um, this she plays the real life person of the, one of the world's best. Um, oh my God, what's the instrument? Not cello. Cello. I thought she oh, was, she was a cello. Uh, yep, sorry. I don't know why. I, yep. One of the world's best uh, cellists in such a short period of time as it tells the story about how she had, I don't know if they're mental issues she had, if that's the right term going into this, but um, how eventually she succumbed to multiple sclerosis at a very young age. Um, so what do you think about Emily Watson here? So she is like the polar opposite of her co-star here. While Rachel Griffith has the more reserved performance, Emily Watson is fierce and fiery and bold as she stubbornly tries to live the life that she wants. And mm-hmm. she's not going to let anything stop her. She's not going to let anything hold her back. And I think it is a huge, larger-than-life performance that def- that also eats up every scene that she's in. And it's a very interesting performance because I think it really relates to what this movie is ultimately about. This is a movie that when it was first over, I had kind of mixed feelings on it and it's kind of stuck with me ever since. And it's one of those movies I keep kind of thinking about every once in a while. Because um, this movie, I think, is ultimately about the idea of performance. Now, these two characters are musicians and they do perform literally speaking, but it's also about the performance of how we function in society and how we present ourselves and these fronts that we put up and how the different parts of ourselves define who we are. Like, um, there's a moment where Jackie, I think, is talking to, um, is he her husband or her lover? I can't remember what their relationship is, but she says something like, would you still love me if I couldn't play anymore? And he says something like, well, you wouldn't be you if you couldn't play anymore, which is both a a weird compliment and also kind of a gut punch because like her abilities are what make her exceptional, but they're not the only thing that makes her a human being. So it's a really weird 
comment to come from him, especially considering this is the person she plans on spending her life with. So it really works for me, her performance, because of what this movie is ultimately going for. And like she and her sister even have their little moments where they're debating, well, who's really living their life to the fullest? Because Jackie's out here performing for these huge crowds and making a name for herself and going on and doing all these recordings and tours. And in her mind, Hillary's wasting her life away in the countryside. And Hillary responds in a bit of an argument they have where she's like, well, if you think being ordinary is any easier than being extraordinary, well, you, you got another thing coming. And it, it really goes to show just how tricky the just how hard it is to just be a person regardless of what life you're trying to lead you know yeah it's a it's one i'm going to use this term again it's a deceptively complex movie that has really stuck with me since i watched it dude i love everything you just said (laughs) and i just went off on a thing there for like seven minutes no you're good first of all i forgot to mention it with hillary um that beautiful house they have in the countryside is just gorgeous. Um, I, was, I was like, I want to live there. Um, but uh, no, I, 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 would, I would agree with everything you said. I, and it's funny because Emily Watson gives such two different performances, like the really reserved in breaking the waves until she figures out like she wants to like, you know, be out there a little bit more. And then here where she's just like, she's really, really out there, but in ways she has to reserve herself. So they're, completely polar opposites in that matter and I think Watson here is oh my god this is definitely my favorite of her two nominations um because she is just brilliant here she's 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 heartbreaking and you're a little turned off by it but at the same time you're so wowed by her and 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 what she's giving you know there's that point where she's trying to figure out in Italy how to do her washing and she's just like mocking this Italian woman by like, you know, throwing a fake language out there. So she's like cruel. And then, you know, you feel for her and you're really wondering what the hell's going on in that scene between Hillary and her husband and her, where she's like, I'll just go get the damn cheese. And she's cutting herself and self-harming naked in the woods. And, you know, it's, it's fucking heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know, the last scene of them together where she's having this, what is it, like a seizure pretty much, and Hillary's holding her, and then it stops, and they're looking at each other, and it's it's like, oh my god, you're just as tired with this character as this character is with herself. And in a way, her death is kind of like, like, okay, she's at peace, which means you're at peace, and, and I don't know, it's just... It's beautiful. This movie is just, I enjoy this movie every time I watch it. It, Yeah, it's another expert performance from an actor like Montenegro, who is playing a person who is giving us every reason to not like them. And yet, we can't help but be invested in their story. Mm -hmm. Because the performance demands that we pay attention. Yes, that's it demands attention, yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wonderful. I like it. Yeah, I need to revisit this movie because when I first watched it, I was kind of wishy-washy. And, but it was one of those that, like, for some reason, like, in the back of my mind, it kept, like, 
subtly burning. And it's just ideas that have been piecing themselves together ever since I watched it. So I, I have a feeling the next time I watch it, I'll like it a lot more than I did before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those movies too. I mean, I timed it. It takes 18 minutes for the characters to like the main adult characters to show up. Oh, so, right. So it starts with them as kids. Right. Right. There. I mean, I remember the first time seeing it, there's a point where I'm like, okay, well, where are they? We're moving on. Um, but even the ending scene with um, Jackie on the beach is heartbreaking because she's like, everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. And there's something very angelic about it. So yeah, I think it's beautiful. We have Meryl Streep as Kate Golden in One True Thing. This is her 11th of 21 nominations. Going into this, she didn't win anything, but she was nominated at the Golden Globes for Actress in a Drama, the SAG nomination for Best Actress, and the New York Films Critics Association for Best Actress. In One True Thing, again, Meryl plays Kate, who is the mother of two kids, one of them played by Renee Zellweger. Boom, excuse me, totally burped. God, I'm a mess this episode. Um, and... Um, Anyway, she, the movie is about uh, her character. She gets cancer, and the family goes through all the emotions of dealing with this cancer diagnosis that eventually leads, um, that she succumbs to. So what do you think about Meryl as what Kate and what you think? So I have some mixed feelings about it. Um, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think Meryl has Renee Zellweger's nomination. I honestly would have given it to Renee over Meryl. And that's not to say that Meryl's bad. I just have a couple of issues here. Um, I think Meryl is um, doing really well with the material that she's given. It's, of course, you know, a domestic, family, melodramatic, weepy. It's, like, rich for, like, lifetime pleasure. Um, And she's doing the most with it, as Meryl is wont to do. But I'm definitely more interested in what Renee Zellweger is doing here. I think she has the more interesting character. And also, this movie is told from her perspective, and it's really about her. So I'm on the fence whether or not Meryl's truly supposed to be in this category. Because if this movie has a lead, it's Renee Zellweger. So... For those few reasons, I feel like we should be talking about Renee Zellweger here, but Meryl's the one who ended up in this category. Um, Meryl's not bad here. Um, it's just, it's she's doing perfectly okay. She's heartbreaking. I mean, she goes through all the motions to really sell um, that she's playing a woman who's essentially dying for 90 minutes or whatever it is. And um, she turns it out and you feel for it in the way that you're supposed to. But um, I ultimately don't find the character all that interesting. I'm much more invested in Renee. So um, how do you feel about Meryl? I would, I would definitely have the same sentiment as I don't, I don't think she's in the right category here. Um, But you know, this is a performance that, this is late 90s Meryl Streep, and I'm really interested to hear your take next week on uh, Music of the Heart, because I feel like Music of the Heart and What You Think kind of gets shit on, because there's like this exhaustion of Meryl Streep at this point, Be- um, especially coming out of the 80s. I mean, Meryl in the 80s seemed like she was nominated every single goddamn year. And with the 90s, you know, Postcards on the Edge in 90, it took five, she took a five-year break. 
Bridges, Madison County. And then we get two double merrills. And it seems like these are the two performances that people just tend to ignore. Um, now on the take of what she's doing, I think it's good, but I also, there's no way they were putting Merrill at this point and supporting at that, you know, at this time it had been 19 years since Kramer where she won for supporting and every nomination in between was for lead. Um, if they weren't putting Meryl in supporting for Ironweed, they weren't putting her in supporting for here. Um, eh, I, I, I can live with or without it, pretty much. Yeah, I and mean, we've reached the point in Meryl's filmography where she's the perennial nominee, mostly based on name recognition alone, I would mm-hmm. say. I mean, I mean, that's not to, once again, that's not to say that she's bad in one true thing. It's that I have a feeling she was nominated simply for who she is and she was put in lead for who she is because i feel like if a lesser known actress or even not even a lesser known but just an actress who wasn't meryl had been playing this part they probably would have ended up in supporting because that's really the nature of the character yep i agree i'm glad to kind of share the same feeling on this one i honestly didn't know going into this what you would think of it so i'm glad that we we share it yeah then finally, we have this year's winner, Gwyneth Paltrow, as Viola de Lesseps. I don't know if I'm, I'm definitely pronouncing that right. And Shakespeare, um, um, Shakespeare in Love, for some reason, I have Shakespeare in the Dark on here, and I don't know why. <laughs> and Shakespeare in Love. Um, going into this, she wins Golden Globe uh, for Best Actress in a Comedy Musical, nominated a BAFTA, but she wins SAG for Best Actress, so definitely a threat. In Shakespeare in Love, Gwyneth Paltrow again plays Viola, who is a woman who falls for Shakespeare, um, but also wants to be an actor. Can't Women can't perform in these plays at this time, so she goes in disguise in drag. What do you think of Gwyneth Paltrow in Shakespeare in Love? So, um, like I said earlier, uh, I like Shakespeare in Love as a movie. I think it's very fun. It plays with history and literature in a very lively way, and I think Gwyneth Paltrow's performance reflects the film. It works perfectly fine and functions exactly the way that it needs to. She has a real charm to her and she has an intelligence to her, uh, both Gwyneth Paltrow, the person, and Viola, the character, that really shines through in the movie. And Mm -hmm. um, I really like it, but I'm not over the moon about the win. Um, I think overall, like with Dench, it was an admiration for the film and the success of the campaign that probably pushed her over the edge because um, as much as I like Gwyneth Paltrow in this movie, I'm not sure how much of it has to do with her really stretching herself in a way, you know? And I have a feeling that Viola just might've been a character that resonated with a lot of people, particularly people in the arts. And the success of the film and the um, nature of the campaign and really culminated and succeeded and garnered her an Oscar. But um, I don't hate this performance, but I do find the win a little um, a little questionable considering who else is in this lineup. I think it's enjoyable. I, I you know, I. I don't think this win deserves the hate at all that it gets from people because in the, in the fact that it's not a bad performance, um, I would agree it's questionable with who's in this lineup, but I don't hate it. Um, 
I think it's she does really good work here. I you know I think credit is due where credit is due, and Paltrow gives a really good performance. Um, it's funny and it's enjoyable, and there's not anything that I really hate about it. Um, I do think it's interesting though. I don't know if you know this that the way Paltrow got this role was originally Winona Ryder was supposed to play this role, and those two were inseparable in the '90s. And from sto- so the story that's been told is that. Gwyneth literally stole the script from Winona's house and brought it to her agent and said, get me this role. And the producers saw Gwyneth and they fired Ryder. Hmm. So I don't know if you knew that. No. Um, that's how the story goes. Of course, um, the story could be a story in general, but from what I've been told, that's how it went. And if you notice, they've never been seen or together since so i kind of think it's true interesting because they used to be best friends and now they don't they're not friends at all you know what else gwyneth kind of has going for her and Mm. i just kind of noticed this um shakespeare in love i'm gonna say is a comedy overall it's a comedy and Mm -hmm. i think gwyneth is would by that notion be the lone comedic actress in this lineup because she definitely does have moments of a little bit of farce and a little bit of slapstick with the mm-hmm. changing of the the garb and the mustaches and whatnot and you know all her little quibs so mm-hmm. maybe that was working in people's favor because i mean i'm gonna say shakespeare in love is probably the more easily enjoyable of these films kind of like we were saying earlier with Best Picture. So I wonder if the lightheartedness and approachability of Shakespeare in Love was really working for her in the end, Um, factored in with all the other stuff. So um, perhaps that was a thing. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like if you're in a category where all these films are super heavy, and then you watch the one film you're in that you're nominated for, and it's the lightest of them, I feel like as a voter, you're going to go for that one because it's going to be the most standout of everything. Yeah. And perhaps it, it just it just hit people um, in a way that worked. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I think, I think a lot of factors were working in her favor, and that's not to say that she's, she's bad in this. I think people give her a lot of shit simply for who she was nominated against. Kind of like, yeah. I think that's just the general vibe with Shakespeare in Love, which is kind of kind of sad because I really do enjoy that movie. I think it's just a really fun film, and it's it's well made, and I don't think it deserves a lot of the shit that it gets. Agreed. I'll agree with that. Yeah. So that was it. That was our, okay. Those were our five ladies. All right. So moving on to rankings. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a reminder, your supporting actresses were Judy Dench in Shakespeare in Love. Kathy Bates in Primary Colors, Brenda Blethen in Little Voice, Rachel Griffiths in Hillary and Jackie, and Lynn Redgrave in Gods and Monsters. And I'm giving my number five to Rachel Griffiths simply because she should not be in this lineup. Um, she's doing really great work here in Hillary and Jackie, and I wish she got more opportunities, but this is not her category. So I'm going to disqualify her and give her number five. It pains me to fucking do this because she doesn't deserve this fifth spot but i have to i would like the record to show that i do think in the realm of actual academy awards rachel should have won in this category because she is easily the strongest for me here um 
and deserved the win. But for podcast sake, I have to put her at five, um, which really does pain me. I don't think it's fair, but I have to do it. And she's at five, not because she's bad, but because she's in the wrong category. Exactly. Judy Dench gets my number four for Shakespeare in Love. I think it's um, a really well done performance for what little screen time she's given. She definitely does become a real presence here as Queen Elizabeth. Um, but I don't know that this role is particularly challenging her in any way. And it's definitely not the best Dench performance that we're ever going to get. So I'm giving Dench four. Heard. I'm giving Lynn Redgrave number four. She's just not doing anything for me here. She's not memorable. Um, her, for this being her follow-up nomination to Georgie Girl, it's a little sad because she's great in Georgie Girl. But yeah, um, Lynn, Lynn Redgrave is at four. Lynn Redgrave is my number three. I really admire the transformative nature of this performance and all the little intricacies that she really worked into becoming this entirely new person. But at the end of the film, I'm not entirely positive who Hannah is outside of this um, facade that we're given. We're given little teeny tiny touches throughout. She gives little clues and we hear a little bit from the Ian McKellen character. But ultimately, I just need to know more about who this person is in order for the transformation to fully work for me. So um, I admire the performance, but Lynn Redgrave gets my number three. And Judy Dench gets my number three, so we're just switching there a little bit. Um, it's good, you know. It she shows up, she does what she needs to do. Um, I just, I, I, I don't see the win from this, but I definitely see the nomination. And good for you, Judy. But you're number three for me. Uh, Brenda Blethen is my runner-up for Little Voice, and I'm going to give Kathy Bates uh, the win for Primary Colors. Brenda Blethen is delightful in Little Voice. She is hilarious. And I just, I just love her performance in it. I don't know what else to say. But Kathy Bates in Primary Colors is just truly on another, another level for me. She took a type of role that is usually an eye role for me. And that's these like supporting parts that are basically designed to be nominated. She's gruff and she's tough and she's not going to take anyone's shit and she's loud and she's going to say any curse word that any man would say and it's a it's a huge presence that chews up every scene that's in and usually those um i tend to disregard those for some reason because they feel like tools but kathy bates is able to bring a real groundedness to this character and make her feel very lived in and real and three-dimensional in a way that other actors might not like how we said Billy Bob Thornton goes ahead and takes every opportunity and tries to turn it into an Oscar clip. Bates doesn't really do that for me. And even though the, the demise or the end of this character is a little questionable for me from a narrative standpoint, I do still think that Kathy Bates is giving a really lively performance here as Libby, and I think it's Oscar-worthy. So I'm giving her the win for Primary Colors. So you've given Kathy Bates two Oscars this decade. Yes. And I have Brenda Bluffin, who I've given one before to just two years ago, and Kathy Bates, who I haven't um, given one yet. Both of these performances are really good. I don't know. 
if I'm being honest, who to give it to here. Um, and it's given me a little trouble here. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do this on the spot. Um, I think what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give Kathy Bates the runner-up and give Brenda Bleffin the win. Um, Bates is fantastic. Fantastic. And everything you said is true, and she would have been a very worthy winner. Same with Brenda. Brenda is really funny. She's the best thing about her movie, just like Bates is the best thing about her movie. But I think it's, while both characters are blunt, I think it's the obnoxiousness of Brenda's character that really is giving me the little edge here to give her the win. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I think I'm going to go Kathy Bates as the runner-up and Brenda Bothan as the winner. Both are fantastic. Both would have deserved to win. I'm not mad at either of them possibly winning or should have been winning, but I'm not going to lie. My heart is with Rachel Griffiths and it's just what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So there we go. You gave Kathy two this decade and I gave Brenda two this decade. There we go. All right. So our lead ladies were Emily Watson in Hillary and Jackie, Gwyneth Paltrow in Shakespeare in Love, Kate Blanchett in Elizabeth, Meryl Streep in One True Thing and Fernanda Montenegro in Central Station. Number five for me is Meryl. Um, I, I'm, it's not the right category here, so it is a category fraud thing for me. And while she's not bad, she's just, there's too much going on with everybody else in this category for her to even be considered any higher, even if she wasn't in the, or if she was in the right category. So Meryl Streep at five. I'm also putting Meryl Streep at five because she and Rachel Griffiths should switch places. <laughs> yep. So that's about all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> Perfect. I'm giving Kate Blanchett number four. Um, she's good. I've got no qualms with this. Um, but this is the first of many Blanchett performances that we will see. And we will see much better from her in the long run. Um, so with that, I'm going to give her number four. I'm going to give Gwyneth Paltrow number four for Shakespeare in Love. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think she deserves the shit that she gets for this win. But I also am not super blown away by her performance. I think it's the movie overall that's really working. And all the stuff going on on outside of the movie that was really working um for her going into her win in real life but um the, her performance is not something that i'm uh, uh that i'm thinking about when the movie is over specifically so gwyneth paltrow gets my number four well gwyneth paltrow gets my number three um yeah she definitely doesn't deserve the hate that she gets um but there's Definitely, it's one of those, those, the last two are just giving me so much more. And I don't hate this. I don't hate the win, but it's not my winner. Right. So I got to give her three. I'm giving Kate Planchette three for Elizabeth. Um, I think this is a stunning first nomination from someone who we're going to see quite up, pop up quite a bit here in the next uh, several years. And I think she makes the most of what she's given to work with in Elizabeth, which is quite a bit, actually. Um and I think she carries this movie. Um, this is a very big character in a pretty large film. And I don't think she stumbles whatsoever from beginning to end. And we see so many different sides of her over many years. And I find it completely believable throughout. And it's a wonderful uh, performance from Kate Blanchett. Um, but um, I'm still going to give her my number three. So Kate Blanchett at number three. Well, that leaves us both then with Emily Watson and Fernando Montenegro. So let's see if we match up here. 
Um, my number two, I'm actually giving it to Emily Watson, which means I'm giving Fernando Montenegro the win. Um, Emily is beautiful. She does sublime work. Um, there's not one moment where she's on screen that I dislike her, and I think she's amazing. However, Fernanda is giving me everything. Um, I think it's absolutely divine. There is not one moment where I am not interested in this character or not not interested in this character. And I think what Montenegro did, she makes even the proest pros of actors look like amateurs here. And therefore she deserved to win every award in my opinion. So we're gonna agree here because I'm giving Emily Watson the runner up spot and I'm also rewarding Montenegro um, with the Oscar. Emily Watson is a true powerhouse in Hillary and Jackie and she's putting everything on display and taking no prisoners whatsoever with her performance in a way that I really admired considering all the other thematic stuff that's going on Mm -hmm. here in this movie that I talked about earlier but Montenegro here is I don't know how like I've been kind of at a loss for words for how to describe it because I feel like earlier when we talked about her in like her main segment I struggled to talk about it then. I'm struggling to talk about it now because there is something so nuanced and intricate about her performance here that is so working for her on so many levels. And she feels so grounded and real and lived in. And you could honestly tell me that her character was a real person. And this movie's actually like a documentary following this real life person. And I would totally believe you because it just, it doesn't even feel like she's playing a character because this movie is so smart in the way that it's so simple and just lets her tell the story and lets her be this conduit for all of the drama that's happening in it. And she's almost like um, like a lightning rod in that way. And yet at the same time, the it's not a super showy performance. It doesn't feel like a performance that's going after the Oscar, even though it's totally worthy of one. So um, I feel like Fernanda Montenegro is the only person in this lineup, despite the great stuff we have going on in this lineup. She's the only one that feels like she truly deserves it for from me. I don't know if that makes sense or if that seems like dismissive of the others, but there's something about her that I can't deny her if that makes any sense. No, I, I agree. I agree so much. Um, it's just magic. <laughs> what she's doing is magic. And it's wonderful. I like it. I'm so glad we agreed there. Yeah. So we both had yeah. Fernanda Montenegro, and I had mm-hmm. uh, Kathy Bates. And I had Brenda Blethyn. And yeah. yeah, we agreed on Fernanda. Now here's the question. Meryl Streep's out. Rachel Griffiths is in. Do you still give it to Montenegro? Yeah, as much as I love Rachel Griffith, um, just in general, and in Hillary and Jackie, there is really, truly something about Fernanda that is, like, just magnetic and really making me give her the Oscar here for Central Station. I think her performance is probably one of the most overlooked. Because uh, I would honestly say, of these five nominees, Central Station's probably the least seen by audiences today, mm-hmm. I would have to guess. Um, perhaps because it's foreign, because it's an independent film and all that. And that's truly a shame because I think she is doing something 
on another level here. And I think modern audiences um, owe it to Fernando Montenegro to revisit Central Station or seek it out for the first time because I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, I, I would agree. As much as I love Griffiths, um, she would be my runner up here, but I think it would still belong to Montenegro. Um, it's just one of those unfortunate things for Rachel where she just, if any other year, she could have been, right. you know what I mean? Um, but there's no denying the powerhouse that is Fernando. And I think it's beautiful. Um, yeah. Did you expect the winners? What are we thinking? Um, I had a feeling you were leaning toward Blethen because it seems like the sort of performance that um, that really works for you. I mean, it worked for me too, but it mm -hmm. definitely seemed like in your wheelhouse. Um, I had a feeling Watson was pretty high up there, but I also had a feeling about Montenegro. Um, I think I've also heard you mention her performance before. So I had a feeling it was between Montenegro and Watson there, but with Montenegro probably edging out the win. Yeah, um, I had definitely because of your Instagram post when you had watched Little Voice that I was like, oh man, it must be bluffing. But then I'm like, well, he's very much a Bates type of guy. So there's that. And then I really, I... I I kind of know you by now with, when it comes to the major category fraud idea of like the Tate O'Neill style frauds. So I'm like, you know, maybe he'll not, maybe he'll ignore it. Maybe he might go Griffiths, but I, that one was kind of the, the dark horse for me with you, with where you were going to go. I honestly had a feeling you were going to give it to Watson. It, it's a performance that in another year I could see myself giving it to, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Which would so have been I a second just, one for Watson. Yeah. Second one for sure. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we definitely agreed on Montenegro, but man, for us, for you and I, we just, this is our last episode of the nineties where we are recording. So we are done. Yeah. We can take a little break from the regular episodes for a bit. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, guys, next week we have the class of 1999 with you with a very special guest. Um, but it'll be, um, it'll be a good one for sure. Yes. So Anything else as we leave for you and I, the 90s with these people? I think I'm good. Perfect, perfect. All righty. Um, for, oh wait, how does this ending go? Oh yeah. Um, on the count of three, we'll say big old goodbye. Wait, how does it go? Why did I just draw? I think you, I we say our names up. first. Ah, yes, that's right. Okay, one. Oh yeah, okay, so I'm George. And <laughs> I'm Brandon Stanwyck. I'm a, and I'm a big fat mess. Um, and this has been this week's Academy, or uh, this, this week's episode of Academy Queens, uh, the class of 1998, and I kind of free. We'll say goodbye. One, two, three. Bye. Bye.